0: Everybody, Welcome to this special Halloween episode of the Deadly Analysis Podcast and the continuation of our bracket challenge. We will be doing the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 in this video. Um, Just a reminder, the rules change with the Elite 8. It then becomes a 10-minute free-for-all in the case of a 2-2 tie as opposed to the 5-minute arguments that we've been doing so far. So we're just going to dive right in go with our first matchup of the evening. It is Event Horizon versus Rear Window. Noah! I am going to go
1: with Event Horizon for this one, and I will say why if we
2: disagree. Sounds good, Ben. Saving the argument seems like a, a good play there. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go Event Horizon too. Shara?
3: Looks like we're going with a huge debate of rear window versus the that horizon, guys.
0: Well, we only we only have uh, we're only doing the uh, five minute arguments in the sweet sixteen. Elite eight is the ten minute uh, free for all. Well, then but, we're going to go to uh, five. I'm going rear window as well. So uh, Shara's ready for ten. She was like, I got ten minutes. To hang <laughs> I got out ten minutes shit. on this now. No, we'll do. Uh, well, we're, we're only doing five minutes, and uh, which one of us, Shira, do you want to? Last fight time I argued it?
3: it, I figure we should uh, throw it back over to you.
0: Okay, so. so I'll go ahead and start. And who's fighting for the Event Horizon team? I can go. All I mean, right.
1: I, I don't want to speak for Ben. We can—he can hop in, obviously, whenever he wants. But I'll—I'll I'll, I'll
0: volunteer. Okay, and five minutes starts now between me and you, Noah. Uh, So Rear Window has, it it builds tension very well. And I think last time when you argued against Event Horizon for A Dark Song, you talked about the tropiness of Event Horizon. And that is the only, Event Horizon is a strong movie. I voted for it, uh, I think three times now. I really, or two times rather, I really like Event Horizon. But it's tropiness and the fact that it kind of, Almost sunshine-esque degrades into a monster film at the end is what brings it down, whereas Rear Window keeps that tension throughout the entire movie. It deals with some of Hitchcock's favorite themes, such as voyeurism, and whether or not we can trust other people around us, and that that constant sort of... Um, mystery and suspicion of of the people around us it takes the urban environment and turns it into a a uh a a source of horror and at that point urban environments were sort of this new thing that he was playing with and for that reason i i think the tropiness of event horizon puts it down and uh hitchcock's mastery makes rear window much better for me yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I I agree with a lot of that
1: actually. So what I think this is going to come down to is the aesthetic of like the locale versus the expanse of the two. the The, the difference between these two films seems to be uh, a, a very. Uh, these are weird. This is a weird set of films to 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 bring together to compare. But I I got to go with Event Horizon just because of the expansiveness of it. Just because of the I, and I. And I want to be and careful when I say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the view count. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> arguing my point, Jim. There's a reason uh, there's 250,000 views on our Event Horizon video. No, um I I think ultimately the sort of um the sort of question of what's what's at it like sort of the nightmare that could be when we find answers to scientific questions, like what's you know, getting this the scientific question of how to get to different parts of the universe that are, you know, bazillions of light years away by sort of tricking Gravity and tricking the universe and what's in between that gravity and what's in what's what's other than the universe sort of what we're traveling through to get there. Right. I mean, is is, twi- is it better. but that but that is a I think that is a, a more and this is down your rabbit hole. This is a h- more high minded picture that isn't about like the tension that human beings face within a society, which I think is important, too. And I think that that actually is something done really well in a rear window. But I, I think that it just for me, the the fear element um, in the sci-fi out there, otherness, Lovecraftian sort of shit, and even Horizon seems to really just sh-
0: shiver my soul a little more than oh, what's going on next door? You sure. Know. I mean, you're talking about the Lovecraftian elements that we sort of highlighted in that podcast, and I think you're you're right to do that. But what surprises me about your vote for this, though, is that you often like the claustrophobic. You often like the personal. You like the things that um, I think Rear Window shines at, and so I almost am a little confused by the fact that you would choose something that's expansive and something that's, that's sort of this, this fear. That's of how good Event Horizon is. Unknown that's rather how good Event than- Horizon
1: is. I mean, I, if you gave me another movie, what's another good claustrophobic movie that we've done to compare it to? I would, you know, there's a lot of claustroph Yeah. I would pick Rear Window Over Bug. Hundred um, percent. So there's other claustrophobic movies that, if we were com- to compare them, I would go with The Rear Window. And I agree with you that typically those movies. I mean, but but to be fair, both of these sorts of concepts are things that, like in my fear schema, um, I, I I have a problem with um, space. Sunshine is another movie. You meant you mentioned this. That that sure. is that movie terrified me too. So it's really like, it. This is a we again a very weird combination of movies to compare because they're they're both sets of things that typically scare me and they're films that I like. So by saying Event Horizon scares me more, I am not saying that the genre of tension and and isolation and you know being stuck in a particular being confined as it were is not something that 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 doesn't bother me. You're totally right. Those films do it for me and and Rear Window has a lot of that. It's uh, Rear Window's fantastic. I guess I, I I'm I want to go ahead. Go ahead yeah. and then I'll close real quick. Yeah. So I guess what this comes down to is I think that this is one of those special cases for me. And Event Horizon should be the one that seems to be a special case on this podcast. But Event Horizon is one of those special cases where I think I had the shock value of going into Event Horizon thinking it was one thing and I came out completely scarred. I, you know, part of me went in thinking it was sci-fi and, and I left yeah.
0: feeling of- there
1: was this, this otherness. So I got to give it a little more. Uh, just a, I just got to give it more points for that.
0: I, yeah, I just want. I want to note the technical yeah, yeah. merits of. I want to note the technical merits of Rear Window first. I mean, this is Alfred Hitchcock, and a meticulous director, meticulously crafting this movie. Um, the technical merits of the the thing are another thing that put it over for me. Event Horizon has some sort of wonky special special effects here and there. And uh it's it's directing it's not a master class in directing the way that rear window is. So that's uh that's another thing. Did anyone
2: change their vote? Nope. Ben? I don't think so. I mean like okay. I'm I'm finding myself Really, I think what this comes down to for and this is probably going to come into play in future debates, too. But I'm thinking that the general impact of a film is probably weighed a little bit more heavily than the technicality of the way a film was constructed. Um, It's great if it has good technique, but if it doesn't translate into some kind of like evocative sort of, you know, artistic movement, if you will, um, it's just not quite as important. And I think uh, Event Horizon really is just a little bit more effective in that way for me.
0: Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that'll come down to sort of, I would, I would flip that around and say that the technical merits are also uh, weighted for me, although I, I certainly understand. Event Horizon is higher seated, so that will be heads flipping now.
1: It is tails. That no is that is a shame. Say bye bye
0: to Event Horizon, folks. Boo. Uh, unless Boo. Ben uses shenanigans. All right, Rear Window moves on. A early victory for Hitchcock over Hitchcock. Event you son of a bitch! <laughs> son of a bitch! Very dead. Um, all right, we move on to our next matchup: uh, Requiem for a Dream versus Ponty Pool. Noah.
1: Uh. I'm very tempted to say Jaws for some reason. I keep going back to that. I don't know why.
0: Um, and it was in the previous bracket. That's was it?
1: Well, I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to keep going with Jaws. Um, Pontypool. I'm going to go with Pontypool. Um,
0: uh, ben, I'll, I'll argue why later. Pontypool. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into an argument yeah. on this. Yeah, one. we we clearly are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything's going down to coin flips tonight. But
2: then, I think on this one, I'm actually going to go Requiem.
0: Whoa. All right, uh, Shara Requiem and uh, I am going Requiem as well. That means Noah, you have one minute. All right, well, wait a minute, I'm not <laughs>
1: gonna change anyone's mind here. Uh, uh that's no yeah. way
0: to begin your minute.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. wait, no way. wait, start it over again and try your ASMR voice on the microphone. That way lure us, yeah. Might...
0: What's minutes Jim really starting means, ASMR now? What Jim really means is good is bad,
1: bad is good. Tails means heads. So when he flips it, tails means heads. Heads are great. I like your heads, I like everyone's heads. That could get oddly sexual. I'm going to skip this now. Uh, the point is, uh, no, I, I think that was super cringe. Let's 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 edit that out. That was horrifying. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm not going to change your minds, but I will say that I, I want to say. That uh, the linguistic element of Pontypool is novel enough for it to catch, I think, in this, for it to catch my vote. Um, I think that um, that is an isolation movie that I think is fantastic. Um, I think that you know it's a very it, it's a very cheap movie. It wasn't done with a, a big budget. Requiem from a Dream was done with a way larger budget. Um, and I think some of the, uh, I mean, I think the fear in requiem for a dreams a little stronger. I think uh, ultimately, I think there's stuff that may last longer. There's lessons I think that last longer. Um, but I think there's just something like you can't beat Pontypool for a rainy day or a snowy day when you're staying home from work or you're homesick from school. Like I just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna defend Pontypool 100%. Like I like requiem, but Pontypool for me. Pontypool Uh,
3: is what you watch when you want to have sweet dreams and Requiem is what you watch when you want to have nightmares
0: (laughs) Does anyone, uh, Ben, any changes? I I didn't change anyone's changes I probably made you guys double down for Requiem Jerks. Not really. I, yeah, I never had a chance in my book, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> um, I, I never Hold on had a minute. No, that, that argument actually, I feel like maybe that makes me want to change my <laughs> Never had a chance. Wait the fuck uh,
0: up. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Requiem for a Dream has moved on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just not a movie that worked for me, but that's, you know, I've already, honey,
3: the cat is coming for you. You better
2: we... be careful. It's gonna come at
0: so, we've had these conversations on previous videos. So, um, now we things get interesting. Friends that were once friends now become enemies. Uh, come and see versus bug. We're changing up the voting orders. So, Ben, you go first.
2: Um, this one has to go to come and see, Shara. Come and see, and I am bug noah.
1: I could be so such an asshole right now oh god your beer better angel noah this I, I could really do it no i'm gonna i'm gonna go with bug on this one
0: okay uh five minute argument i assume between me and shayra is that correct <laughs> unless ben do you want to do you want to take it
2: i don't know i think uh as as this is shayra's film i think it makes sense right okay yeah all right i mean these Bye.
3: are our two for us these are our two highest seated movies right correct these are these are your ills
0: to die on yeah these These are are, yeah these are our champions and so uh,
3: as i said in the last podcast remember i've gone bug all the way in fact uh my uh plight for bug has even riled up some people in the comments section so uh (laughs) you know i I just want to say this is a this is a hard this is a hard argument we're gonna. Thanks. We still love each other, heart.
0: Oh uh, yeah, we'll see what happens after five minutes. <laughs> <Fuck> you. <laughs> Ten
1: minutes
3: later, I'm done with
0: this podcast, asshole. Right. Click. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> five minutes starting <laughs> now. Now, Shayra, you know that I love Come and See. You know that it is a a film that I've voted for multiple times. And but you also know that Bug is 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 my movie. And I think that just to the reasons that I'm putting Bug over Come and See is that I think that come and see is one thing. It is this war movie that doesn't really vary too much in tones and it's concentrating on this one thing with the exception of that one scene in the woods, which for me as we recall on that one pot on the podcast where we did that, was a little too criterion collection for me. And so for that reason, that little moment, uh that bit doesn't vary the tone enough for me to be able to, just not see Come and See as sort of this unrelenting, everything is hell and life sucks. Whereas Bug is playing different notes. Bug is a symphony and Come and See is like uh, a four-piece band. So uh, I, I have to disagree because they really both kind of, start out, I,
3: I, they kind of start out similarly where there is some goofiness and stuff. But I actually would argue that Come and See had the goofiness much uh, earlier on. You have him interacting with his twin sisters, you have him interacting with his mother in, in ways that show the humanity behind him and the the life that he lost to this thing that he even himself put himself into in a way, but getting himself involved may have saved his life, let's be honest, his entire town gets, like, annihilated in the back. And we also see these things without him seeing it. So not everything is horrific for the protagonist, which actually adds an element of interest to me because Mm -hmm. you have a character who has a lot of heart and soul but is also going through trauma but we the audience went through more trauma than him because we are experiencing stuff that even he doesn't experience to show the horrors of war
0: yeah i see what you're saying there but um even in those early moments i've feel a a dread like there's you got that weird boy who's sort of talking to the camera and that's what i you know bug has moments of comedy in it it has moments of tension and release like it but i think that is
3: comical this kid is like playing war and then they end up actually having to do it and it's like oh where's your playfulness now bitch because guess what it's not all fun and games it is actually a truly horrific very fucked up thing and and that's a that's a reality that most children don't have to experience. Most children get to play war and then go home safe. And so that is actually what makes it the true horror film because this is happening to an actual child. You know. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but like you argued last week, this is happening to actual women. Like this true. is bug is is getting at the type of relationship um, issues that a lot of women and um, men, because, you know, I personally identify with Agnes's character in some some parts of that movie. And it, it gets under my skin as well. So I, I wouldn't even, you know, just focus it totally on women, which is... Uh, People get
3: toxic relationships, yes. <laughs> right,
0: right. And so I think it's a human story that, as you argued very movingly last week, is the type of thing that I think... Uh, it resonates particularly with me, particularly with you, and and in others. Honestly, well. both
3: of these are are real horrors. These are right. not ghosts. These are not vampires. These are not metaphors. These are real. Tr- both of these are true horrors. And so, at the end of the day, which true horror is going to resonate most with people? And I think that's a subjective thing, and that's hard to argue. Yeah, you know, sure. that's a, that's a really difficult thing to argue. What's more, what's more frightening? But for me, come and see has one of the most horrific scenes of all, which was thinking you're about to get shot in the head, and it was just for posing for a picture and collapsing in that extreme exhaustion of everything you've just been through, or seeing the girl that you were falling for all bloody and raped and beat to, you know, she she was a hollow, empty shell of a person. That's Those are horrific images. And
0: all of that's very compelling. And, you know, I'm I'm with you on all of that. I think that, you know, for my taste, Bug just and, and bug bug hits all the right notes. And I think as a film writ large, I think Bug is playing different notes in different ways that that um, I think suggest that the filmmaking and the story outline is, is, is it's more varied, and it's it's just, it's bug by a hair for me, you know uh, come and see makes me feel like shit, bug makes me <laughs> feel like shit and then it makes me feel oh, maybe these two crazy psychos will have it away, you know, and, and then oh no, what is happening, and then I am the super mother bug, I also want to, you know, go back to the technical elements of Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon, and
3: 14-year-old Actually, beats the 14. crap out of their performances personally in my book. But, once again, that's probably subjective.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, are we flipping? Yeah, I'm not. I didn't
1: change my mind. I, this, is, this should be a flip, I feel like. Ben?
0: No, okay. Flip it.
1: All oh, right. God.
0: See, come and see is higher, higher seated. It is heads. It is Tails. Bug moves on. <laughs> Look, at <Shayra> ben <laughs>
3: moves.
1: Look at Ben. Ben. is like, really though? Really?
0: Uh, Shera, did I hear you correctly?
3: Shenanigans. Absolutely.
0: Shenanigans. <laughs> nice. Another flip.
3: I knew I was going to use it for this argument, too. I just knew it was going to have to come out.
0: Come and see moves on.
3: Now are you going to call oh. you shenanigans?
0: Shera, you fought for Bug when no one else would. And for that reason, I will not be using my shenanigans.
3: Ooh!
0: Wow! Wow! I feel like
1: I just—wow! Well, well, God, I feel tired just listening to that. That was amazing.
0: You, you told me—you told me to remember that you fought for bug when no one else would last week.
3: <laughs> but I actually really meant that. I also argued for a rear window, and I—I I do love that phone, and that's probably going to end up rear window against cummingsy, and, and that'll probably be us arguing again. <laughs> we'll, we'll
0: see. This is literally, I want, I want you to know that this is literally my last five-star movie on this, on this bracket. Like, wow. I, I have no more five-star movies. And because you, uh, goddamn
3: <laughs>
0: It's setting in. It's setting in for you Jim. have
3: a chance for shenanigans.
0: <laughs> Come and see Moves On. All, All right. right. <laughs> All right.
1: Jim's a good guy. He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's debating it, you can see him. You can you can see him wanting to do the shenanigans right now.
0: Yeah.
1: All
3: right, well, we'll come and see. All see. Right.
0: Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange versus Uh-oh. Seven Seal.
3: Now I have to argue another one of my favorite films with someone I care about. Okay. Uh, ben.
2: Yeah, of course. Seven Seal. Uh, Shera.
3: Um. So, uh, Clockwork Orange.
0: <laughs> Clockwork Orange for me too. Noah
1: seven
0: seal and so we fight uh who wants to uh be the this this is where i go ben sit back
1: i got this
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh who wants to uh fight for seven seal this is gonna kill me
1: if this goes to a coin toss fuck this i actually this is one that's hard for me this this is one that i'm angry about if seven seal doesn't win but go ahead
2: i think it's going to (laughs) it's probably gonna be a coin toss at best i don't think jim's gonna change his mind
0: uh yeah hey well um are you arguing seven seal ben
2: yeah of course
0: okay and Shiro is it you or me for clockwork
3: um when when we did this last time who argued clockwork let's let's go off of like some of the shit so we could get some different yeah arguments so yeah i'll go i'll go clockwork okay. then
0: all right starting five minutes now
3: all right ben this right. is your baby go for it
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like really, I think what my argument all honestly has to revolve around here is of course, like I've, I've sort of seated this and talked about this throughout the entire sort of discussion that we've had so far for me personally. Um, you know, I mean like a clock orange is great. Uh, I do enjoy the film quite a bit. I enjoy the book even more. Um, the technical merits there, yes, they are what they are. That's not really why I like the the film. I mean, Kubrick did something interesting, I guess. You know, but I have my feelings about his level of hype. I really think the story itself sort of stands on its own. I mean, it's quite interesting, and especially as an experimental psychologist who, in fact, sort of read a lot about his studies that were quite similar in tone and uh, mechanism to what they did to young Alex. Um, In terms of trying to use some sort of like Skinner technique to sort of behaviorally change him by showing him like these these outputs and kind of like reinforcing that with a drug like it's fucking cool. It's really interesting and thought provoking. And even just the thinking of like of, of the outcome of that, where you know perhaps it's better not to mess with people and give it enough time, especially if we think to the book, he sort of corrected himself, um, and there are probably reasons that he was behaving the way that he behaved, and so on and so forth. And there, it's it's quite a thought provoking story. The acting is phenomenal, et cetera, et cetera. Not a whole lot really to say negatively there. Um, But with the seventh seal and share, I think this might like resonate with you, too. Interestingly enough, I mean, I think the questions that we sort of revolve around here, I think, go a little bit more to the core of kind of like obviously divine hiddenness. But, you know, why is it that things are the way they are? What happens after you die? Um, What is sort of the nature of life and death and existence? Um, How do we sort of come to terms with that? How do we relate to one another? And ultimately, I think what we see at the end of the story here with the um, kind of like the the traveling sort of like the, the theater troupe or whatever, um, like the guy, his wife and their child, I think it's ultimately and sort of like uplifting. Um, and I think that's a really good model to think about, especially as someone who has deconverted from religion, who sort of needs to see that and realize that even though there's all this stuff in the background and even though there's this divine hiddenness and this big question mark, you can still enjoy life the way it is through those connections with other people and finding love and finding happiness through what we have today. Um, and it's an incredibly powerful tool, I think, for somebody like myself, potentially like you, for Noah, um, and for others like us in this sort of same small, tight-knit community, that I think it's 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 a message that we need to hear and we need to understand. And so because of that, especially as more of the world becomes more secular, and as we try to find meaning in that new secular world, Movies like this and art forms like this that sort of speak to that same message are going to be incredibly important and have huge societal weight, and that's not even to mention.
3: So the wait, no, this and is what I'm hearing. Amar then Bergman. we're arguing the 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 idea about government trying to brainwash us into being what they deem as moral, and then the other film is a form of getting rid of a societal brainwashing that's already been implanted and trying to find meaning outside of that brainwashing that was already there. There is some correlation between these two films in some ways.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: That's kind of fascinating. I definitely agree
2: with that. Yeah, I mean, so obviously I think that this sort of order that we're pushing against is what you would see in Clockwork Orange. Uh, Seventh Seal sort of starts to allow us to think about the answer to after you let go of those um, those structures. What's left? What do you do? Where do you look for meaning and value in life?
3: There's even um, that scene yeah. in a Clockwork Orange where this is discussed, where where Alex is uh, reading the Bible and, and decides to interpret it in a very fucked up way. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's showing why we probably should get rid of that, some of these societal brainwashings, because they could be misinterpreted and used to do ill things to others. So um, having a, you know, I guess. I guess the Seven Steel kind of has a happy ending in some ways. Cause you know,
2: I think so. Yeah. They find it's, it's... some,
3: uh, I, I don't know. They show them walking on a hilltop together, almost like hand in hand, like, yeah, we found a meaning to life after we died (laughs) so
2: (laughs) that's an interesting interpretation too like I really think that's that is meant to like sort of show their archetypes and think about like the dance macabre and and how sort of life is sort of uh interpreted as kind of like this dance led by death in a way
3: they both end in irony (laughs) yeah right
2: yeah in in a lot of ways yeah so there are a lot of overlaps but for me personally I think the seventh seal definitely it speaks to something a little bit more foundational for me and that's ultimately why I, I am voting for this one right like Clockwork Orange is fantastic, it really is It's really good, but When I'm being honest with myself, I think I've just got to go With that like more foundational Fear and concern um, You know, yeah, I don't know It just it just speaks to me on a different level, on a deeper level It's like, I mean, it, it gets me In the soul, it gets me in the heart, right? Clockwork Orange gets I me in the head I think Clockwork but... Orange is
3: really, is really great for When you're doing your coming of age And uh, Seven Seals Really great when you're starting to age <laughs>
0: yeah so <laughs> fair point so noah did you change your you didn't change your vote did you no. okay i you know ben I was buying i was i was picking up what you were laying down for a little while but I just don't see i i wish you had sort of solidified some of your arguments and specific scenes of the film because i was I was sort of seeing where you were coming from but I wish that I would have heard a little more about Specifically, where in the movie you saw some of these existential like connections between uh, the existential sure. themes, specifically the the connections between other people. but yeah, uh, I, mean, I can answer well, that very
2: easily. there's There's one scene about halfway through the movie where Jans is you know sitting with that family. And, and then at the very end, happens,
0: we'll see what, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah. don't, don't convince me. Shut up, Ben. You're going to yeah. convince me. It's uh, five minutes.
3: It. I, you know, I, I just want to say like, um, so uh, this is going to sound like blasphemy to you, Ben. And I, I, I don't care, honestly, because <laughs> this Fuck, is funny man. to me. Um, so I never had seen a seventh seal when I was younger, but what I did watch was Bill and Ted's bogus journey and they mock the seventh seal and Bill and yeah. Ted's bogus journey. That was my favorite character and my favorite sequence of events when they're he's like you sunk my battleship yeah. <laughs> and they're like yeah and it's like it's such a funny thing and so what's funny is that's how I was introduced like this cartoonish childlike uh, exposure to this game against death and and then death ends up becoming like their bestie because uh, right they know, conquered death, death loses.
2: yeah. Right. And
3: they, they conquer death literally and uh, go up and, and save the world through their rock and roll or whatever. But the funny thing is, is death ended up being one of their best friends. And um, death is not your enemy. And I yeah. feel that. So when I, get, when I get that from Bill and Ted's bogus journey as a child, and then yeah. I grow up and I watch The Seventh Seal and I'm like, I see what the writers were trying to do in Bill and Ted's bogus journey in a way. It's kind of like why Animaniacs is such a great thing because it introduces you to adult themes in a mm-hmm. childlike way so when you grow up you, you can see these things and understand it. it so in a way bridge, it's yeah. blasphemy. But it is a bridge, and it helps you do no, no, those things. No, and- I don't oh. think
2: it, I don't think it is blasphemy. I mean, I saw the exact same thing, right? I, I had the exact same experience you did, you know. Uh, fantastic character, right? Um, whether you're a king or a lowly street sweeper, sooner or later, you'll dance with <laughs> the, <Raper>. the reaper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get like you get the same idea in Harry Potter, though, too, with the invisibility cloak. It's like you're able to greet death as an old friend, mm-hmm. you know that whole thing. Anyway, yeah. yeah so I mean, those I, themes I are those, really.
3: I think those themes popping up is really great. So. I I love that your idea about this is positive and that it leads to a positive outlook. And I get it. So I'm switching my vote.
1: Wait. Oh, yes. Oh, shit. Yes. 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 Shira, you're the best. Oh, my God. Thank Uh, you. Oh. Maybe I I should have put that phone down, Jim.
2: (laughs) That's amazing.
3: Um, Yeah. I. Like honestly, um, part of the reason why I have to change over my view too is because you actually did justice to *A Clockwork Orange* instead of shitting on Kubrick again, which is just whatever, <laughs> you know. Like seriously, did a uh, little bit of that.
0: I will have you. No, that's, that's what I would have done.
1: <laughs>
3: Glad. that, but like honestly, it's it's seriously mental masturbation, understanding the higher points of it, and understanding like what is actually being told. We should be afraid of the government going after us and indoctrinating us and brainwashing us. It, we can't make people good by like hypnotizing them in that way and fucking with their heads that way. It's just, it, and it may have stopped certain kinds of acts. That movie may have made scientists and government officials go, "Hmm, maybe hmm, let's not do that." <laughs> it's entirely possible it could have adjusted some of our things. Whereas- that were-
0: whereas Seventh oh. Seal
2: hasn't had such all right um... well maybe maybe the impact was actually in the past week I saw that episode of Joe Rogan podcast with Edward Snowden maybe that's what won me over <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yay! I'm glad I'm glad it, it's it's it really is a fantastic film it is a fantastic book it has amazing themes that are necessary the shots in it are fantastic Clockwork Orange is one of my favorite films of all time I like it better than a Seventh Seal but I get why a seventh seal is a necessary horror film that really matches with our, you know, zeitgeist today. It really matches well with our zeitgeist today. Whereas I feel like a Clockwork Orange is, um, it it's always been something that stood the test of time, but I think it's starting to get a little bit more dated as we are progressing. Um, so I think that a seventh seal might have some more lasting effect. Is the one thing that has one. I idea.
0: agree. I agree. I disagree, but I am, it's three to one and seven sorry. moves on. <laughs> oh, and shit. That was awesome. Clockwork
3: is my movie. I'm sorry. But that was I... awesome. That yeah, was so that awesome.
0: was, uh, I, now I feel like I should have argued for, uh, for Clock <laughs> <recordings>. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't have turn-coded. Um, all right. Uh-oh. So- <laughs> the other side of the bracket, we have a uh, cabinet of Dr. Caligari versus Alien. Shayra, you're the first to vote. Caligari. I am Alien. Noah. Alien. Ben? <sighs>
2: don't do it,
1: Ben. I know she was nice huh? to you. Don't let it sink in. Don't do it.
2: I, I don't know. Do you guys want to argue this one? I kind of want to go. I'm on the side of Alien, honestly, a little bit on this one.
1: Well, let's talk about Aliens? it. Alien yeah, but let's talk about it. So why? Like, who wants to? Like, why? Why would we say alien? I mean, I, I can give my reasons.
2: Yeah.
0: So go. Ahead. Do you want to just do a have yeah, well, things stained just... for right now, and then no, do no, a no. Let's minute... let's I,
1: uh, let's talk about it. Let's just We're kind of do a off five off, minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do a five minute combo.
3: I I just sure. want to say the the main reason why Caligari is such a huge film for me is it it was the start of so much amazing shit that didn't even happen for decades after it took such a huge gap of time for people to start like going hey that's pretty good creepy shit and started kind of copying it and it was great uh, the, the sets are so amazingly creepy the ideas are so amazingly creepy can you trust your narrator fuck no you can't that person's probably a jerk too these are great concepts for storytelling that just really do it for me the yeah. uh, the the man in the box that you know creeps on the girl and then the town foot go after You know, these are maybe tropey today, but that was some pretty amazing shit for its time, and it kind of stood the test of time. You know, like that stuff still stands up. It's it's still creepy.
2: I agree with that. Like one of the things that I really like about Alien is like how through Mm -hmm. I think it's like the environment plays such a huge role in how I feel in different places and like. Yeah, and like I think the some of the best scenes in Alien are toward the end when Ripley is just kind of like in there, and there's like these flashing lights, and like there's the steam from the shit, and like she's carrying the gun, and she's has this stricken look of panic, and she's like sweating, and you know, I mean, it's like it's so powerful, it's so good. But if I'm thinking about kind of like a like an archetype or like you know a, a format or a framework, like I with Caligari, I mean, I I don't think I've seen any other movie still probably to this day where well maybe the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus maybe but like where the environment actually changes based on how the narrative is sort of moving forward and getting more and more twisted that is a cool idea God, it's that's very so Dr. Cool. Seuss
3: too with like people on really tall chairs to show that they're yeah more and yeah shit, and yeah you're just like what right. the fuck is this it's so cool <laughs> it's know. so unique while we,
0: while Calgary certainly has, is influential and it's unique and all of those things you, that you guys are saying is true, Alien invented essentially like it perfected the slasher genre. It's got. Uh, design design genius for days in the um, construction of the alien, the construction of the a- alien homeworld, the metaphors about pregnancy, the metaphors about rape, like all mm-hmm. of these uh, like while we are giving rightly so credit to Ka- Caligari for inventiveness, let's not take away from the inventiveness of, alien because that is also a film that continues to be influential to, to today and I'm in in fact I think that the horror filmmakers that are working right now are probably more influenced by alien than they are by Caligari even though Caligari sort of had Unless its dream for some time
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Tim
0: Burton is uh,
2: he's
0: Dumbo okay so,
3: uh, oh, you chilled
2: it. out yeah tim burton chilled out i mean i would like to see a little more hr geiger in the world honestly like i i, I like i said I, I
3: dude, that artist is everything Holy true
2: shit. that i went back for last week i went back and watched alien again like i didn't it didn't click for me before but after seeing uh prometheus and prometheus right like the newer stuff uh, the fact that they go into that big chamber and there's like one of those like progenitors or whoever it is like sitting there in that giant chair and it's just its skeleton. I didn't catch that like the first time, like the first couple of times I saw Alien, like that part didn't stand out to me. I didn't realize there was such continuity in like that storyline. I thought like that whole thing, the architects, that was layered on top. But no, that was actually seated in the original Alien. And that's so cool. Like that whole environment that they're in there, like all that stuff. And like that's there. And then they go into like where the eggs are and like. It's so good. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is, this is a really tough choice for me, is and what I'm trying to say, I guess.
0: And a best, uh, best actress nomination for Sigourney Weaver. Um, and it's, it's a revolutionary film. Um, I think that aside from Halloween '78, it is more influential on today's slasher genre and the slasher genre of its, uh, progenitors in the 80s than, than Caligari is right now. Um, and, and we also have like a, a really interesting plot with the uh, ga- the, the android, sort of the Ian Holm character who sort of betrays everybody. I mean, there's oh, no blood, in- <laughs> yeah. I mean, Caligari is fantastic, has but uh, you know, the thing is, narrator, but so does Alien. Well,
3: I mean, that is that's not the narrator, though. That was just a, well, a person who you trusted, and having the narrator be the person who kind of stabs you in the back is kind of that's kind of fucked because then you're like, who do I ever trust again? It's like, that's gotta be like
1: the matrix for people in like the early 1900s. Right. They just gotta go. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? You know, what
3: just happened? You're supposed to be honest to me. <laughs> it's 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 so great.
2: <laughs> it's subversive. Mm.
3: Yeah. It is very subversive. And honestly, it's, it, it's even subversive today so you're like oh damn like you got so me let's... you old ass movie you got me <laughs> yeah.
0: well, let's uh, let's go Sludge around we... for time um, for another round of voting Shera, go ahead
3: um alien i just Whoa. talked with you guys
0: ah nice
1: jesus God, nice um, i
3: own every single one of their like i have the big set with every documentary from alien i play their video games are you guys kidding me i had to get <laughs> Caligarius it's because i knew you guys were gonna go alien everyone goes alien we know it's uh, going to go alien. alien
0: for me as well noah alien and then
2: <sighs> all right well i was actually going to see if this could go to a coin flip but it sounds like it's going to be alien so yep yeah alien, alien it is. Moves
0: on uh all right, next one is Antichrist versus Midsummer. Uh go ahead, Shayra. Oh,
1: oof. Oh, oh.
3: Damn! Is... Um I don't fucking know. That's actually the answer. These are two fantastic films. I love these films. Both of them fucked me up for days, and I watched them a whole bunch of times. Um Opening of Antichrist is one of the best openings to a film I've ever seen. Although in midsummer that was so realistic to what shitty toxic relationships look like. So th- all this stuff is very relatable, even though they're both so completely bizarre. And how do you get relatable but bizarre? Pitted against relatable but bizarre. Fuck. Um I'm going to go with Midsummer. And see where this takes us, I am very easily changed though, just so you guys know
0: I am also midsummer uh Noah
1: oh man okay i'm i echo I echo everything shera said uh this is this is hard because these are so different between the two these are just very different movies um one is so dark and Vile and the other is all in the light and beautiful and gorgeous yet. They're so both so horrifying in in their own way Shit, I mean if if I ah, I hate I want to say Midsommar But I'm I'm bothered by that choice just because it's so recent and I don't want you know I but that's that's kind of a bias on mine if I'm going to be biased and say that the older a film is the less that the nostalgia shouldn't play a difference. Then I also need to bite the bullet and say that just because a film is new doesn't necessarily mean that it shouldn't be voted for either. So if I'm going to go with my gut, I'll go with Midsommar, but man, like I'm just like Shayra. I could be convinced the other way. I really could.
2: Ben. Yeah. I mean, I like Midsommar just as much as you guys do, but I'm still going to stick with Antichrist on this one.
0: Oh, you have one minute.
2: Okay. Yeah, so for this one, I think really again, it just does come down to the the raw impact and the stone in the shoe argument for this. So I mean, you probably already know where I'm going to go, and I want to go ahead and jump to that as quickly as possible. Um, Midsommar is one of those movies where your jaws on the ground, like most of the time, like it's phenomenal. Uh, what Ari Aster was able to do is just. Uh, fantastic it's one of the best things that i've seen in a long time especially in the horror genre not in general in general absolutely but especially in the horror genre but still nothing really compares to the raw impact of antichrist and like the questions that it sort of posed in my mind it's like the difference between leaving your jaw on the floor and completely just blowing your mind you know what i mean um the visuals I think are more impactful in Antichrist like we still have their shock value moments in Midsummer, But they're more powerful in Antichrist. Yes, like the the storyline is really interesting in Midsummer, and like it's quite relevant But with an Antichrist, it's also relevant But just a little more impactful because we're talking about not only just like the destruction of a relationship But what it really means to lose a child and like how you should deal with that and the nature of nature When it comes to that kind of evolutionary process, right? I mean, there's more foundational stuff. It's just yeah I see similarities, but one is just more powerful
0: Shaira, do
3: you want to vote first? Um, like I, I agree with everything you said. It's it's such a good film. Um, I th- I think the thing that wins me over with Midsummer is all of the little nuggets of Easter eggs and things to hunt in it that just really win me over. Um, like it, God, I love Antichrist. That's such a fantastic fucking film. I honestly, I I. I really either one of these is great, but I, I still'm gonna stick with Midsummer.
1: Noah? Yeah, I fuck, man. Like you're the, 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 the more he was talking, the more Ben was talking, the more I was thinking, man, these actually are similar, just in the sense of the destruction of a relationship. But uh, this is this is why I'm gonna this is the way I'm gonna defend my choice as unbelievably unsettling and destructive and vile and just horrifying every major part of of Antichrist is the scenes that we talked about and just overall what's happening in the movie it doesn't compare to the final scene of danny smiling in midsommar like that has left such an impact on me for what it means and what happened and what got her there and to see this long if you see the director's cut three-hour movie that arcs to nothing beneficial changing for danny And to see the smile occurring in her thinking that it has, that messed me up more than the physical and emotional and psychological, visceral destruction we see in Antichrist. And that is the only reason I will give this to Midsommar.
0: Midsommar moves on. Uh, Antichrist put up a valiant fight. uh, uh, Can I just say? As Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and Silence of the Lambs. Yeah.
3: Can I can I just say that uh, essentially the reason why w- Midsummer won was because a woman smiled.
1: <laughs> Dude, l- you know <laughs> what? We got. We'll hand it to Florence Pugh, man. Like that, she deserves. Damn. She deserves all the accolades in the world for that. She does. I, mean, I, I will. Yeah, yeah
2: I will, I mean, like when you're when you're pitting uh Willem Dafoe against uh, Florence, like I don't, that's that's a tough one. But you know, I guess at the end of the day, feminism wins, right? <laughs> comment section except when it's
0: except when it's silence of the lambs versus <laughs> It's literally the argument i made um all right moving on to triangle versus get out this is a tough one for me but i am going get out noah i'm going get out also uh ben that's going to be a get out for me and Shera, are you getting out too i'm getting out Get out moves on. Uh, Triangle that's uh, uh, a fantastic film, but uh it falls to uh scary white people. All right. This is the next one is the matchup that I care the least about. Um this, these are both films that did not work for me. Uh in my own bracket, these are films that didn't get out of the first round. But wow, uh,
1: really, that is so interesting to me. Okay.
0: Is the Vitch versus it follows and by a hair, I'm going It Follows. Noah. This is the hardest one of the whole bracket for me.
1: Um, yeah, I, I just see if I argue it later, but um, I'm going to stop looking at the witch on the bracket. I'm going to go with It Follows.
0: Ben?
2: Yeah, it's going to be the witch for me. Shayra? The Witch. All
0: right, Noah, you are arguing this one because I am Man. on the train, but I
1: yeah, I'm gonna argue myself out of this. I can already see it. Um, All right,
0: mm, five minutes starts now. or uh, who's ah uh, who's arguing for the Vivich? Um I'll defend my film if
2: that's okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll go. Okay, I'll it go. starts now. Okay, so I'll go. It follows. I'll, I'll I'll start real quick. So I mean, I I, I, I I'm. I could vote for either of these. I can I can actually be persuaded as I'm talking, um, so I'm probably not a good person to argue for this. Uh, but uh, I think I think for me it follows has has uh, has more self awareness. I think than than the witch. I the witch ha- what it, what the witch does very well in aesthetics and in language. You know what Eggers a- does so well in his films. Um, I think it follows matches with self-awareness and sort of the philosophical stuff going on in, in the rest of the movie. I think at the end of the day, when we think about what's going on in The Witch versus what's going on in It Follows, um, with The Witch, it ends at still being, which is doesn't necessarily mean it's not scary, but it doesn't end with the end of your existence. It ends with sort of, it's it's like a decision tree. And where you end at the end, still you're still a person, you still exist in the world and it's not a thing necessarily coming for you it's 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 really where you are in the world in relation to your into your in relation to your larger religious beliefs which is which is still monumental i don't want to like be like that's not a big thing but i think in it follows you have some of those things but you also have this idea of the stalking of death this creeper that follows you everywhere you go that you pass on And the recognition, think of the first time that you realized that you were a sentient, finite being and that you were going to no longer be a person. Think of the moment that that really hit you. You could be young, you could be old. Um, You know, for me, it happened later in life because I had a religious apparatus that made me ignore it. And I think that's why It Follows may have had such a large impact on me. I saw It Follows somewhat shortly after my deconversion, a couple years after my deconversion. And I think it resonated very heavily with me because it made me think about dying, it made me think about my finitude. The witch is magnificent, but I think it's just a subject, a subjective aesthetic about, like for you, Ben, the contemplation of death. I think that's largely a part of It Follows. The same stuff that you got from The Seventh Seal, I kind of got from It Follows. So I'll leave it at that.
2: Yeah, I totally get that. Um, I I got the same message from It Follows, and so like that really sort of flies in the face of it's about STDs, right? Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like that whole argument, I think, is just puerile. Um, Obviously, it's a bloodbath
1: and beyonding
2: interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's many layers deeper to this, and like that fundamental question. Like I I really agree that that holds weight and it holds water. Ultimately, yeah, I mean like I, I can't argue that a lot of this is probably going to be subjective for me because I really dig the aesthetic of the witch I mean black Phillip aside like the whole thing is just it's just my my groove, man Um, I just I really enjoy the film so that's all subjective, but I think more on a more objective level Obviously, I think in a, in a symbolic way This is sort of about the destruction of structures as well and sort of like if you think about Thomas in this journey It's really about her dying in her old life and coming into something new um. And in many ways, whereas like Seventh Seal, for instance, was about, you know, yes, you come to terms with death and then find what's valuable and meaningful in life. Sort of Thompson comes to terms with like the destruction of everything that she's known in terms of this puritanical patriarchy and sort of comes to know a new life where she is able to enjoy life, but like presumably to the fullest, she's offered the chance to live deliciously. And what's interesting about that to me is that it actually goes back to that uh, Steven Pinker book, The Better um, Angels of Our Nature where he sort of talks about this idea that the the idea that you have a soul that sort of goes on after life is actually kind of like malignant and harmful because you don't really appreciate the here and now as much. And so like this whole idea of living deliciously, I don't think is just a throwaway line. I'm not sure if this was the intention, but for me, that actually speaks of holding value in life over what you could potentially gain in the afterlife by following this, you know, potentially, you know, making the whole, um, uh, the, uh, the wager, the, the, the gambit, right. It's better to believe and then be wrong than not Pascal's wager. Right. I mean, that's what it really comes down to is the rejection of Pascal's wager, I think, and really sort of going all in on living a life that, um, isn't encumbered by the, the puritanical Christian patriarchy. Um, not to get like super SJW about that, obviously, but for me, (laughs) that's what the witch is for me. That's what the witch is just wrapped up in a really nice bow. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting
1: for me, too, is like I can actually see these two films for me as a kind of uh, map for my own deconversion because it took me to become a, 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 a Thomason to get to the point where I could appreciate it follows. <laughs> like in my personal life, yeah. it took me to the point where I could. And, and I think you're right. Living Deliciously often gets understood in that film to mean something like hedonism. And that's not true. I, I, I agree with you that that's not really what the film is after. Um, I think it's the first instance of self, um, of of self-reliance, self-care, self—you know—being you fundamentally and 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 um, authentically you. So, I yeah, this I am happy if the witch goes forward. I'm slightly happier if it follows go, goes forward. So, um, any vote yeah. changes? Yeah, I mean no 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 not for me.
3: Not okay, for me. I'm just gonna huh. say like, um, I. I think both of these films are misunderstood for their moral. And I think that's what makes it so hard because um, whenever I see reviews about them, they're, Oh, this one's about STDs. Oh, this one's about being, you know, hedonistic and getting naked in the forest. And it's like, no, (laughs) this is not accurate. (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's a, it's about, we need to live our lives. Both of these films tell us we need to live our lives and those are, that's a really important message. Like, I, 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 I like them both for that reason. But I have to stick with the witch just because, honestly, uh, it creeped me out a lot with the the goats and the fucking, those little fucking kids.
1: The
2: children, and, yeah. They,
3: yeah. You, you guys want to talk about stoning yeah. your fuck,
1: shoes? Fuck, fr- I forget their names. Really? Their name, fuck bentsters.
2: with me. I believe it is Caleb and Mercy.
3: Yes. Oh, yes. Fuck those kids, man! They scared the shit out of me. So, um. All right. But yeah.
0: It follows his higher seated, so it is heads flipping now. It is tails the vavich. Oh. Goodbye. It follows. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. That was your champion. No, I'm very it sorry. was. Oh, that's okay. I, if
1: it's gonna go, it should go to the witch.
0: I will not be using my shenanigans on that movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. You <laughs> didn't fight for Bug when Shayra did. Um, <laughs> so, all right. We are moving on to the Elite Eight. The rules change slightly. We have 10-minute free-for-alls instead of five-minute structured arguments when there is a 2-2 tie. Aside from that, all the rules remain the same. We have Rear Window versus Requiem for a Dream. Noah, you are first to vote.
1: Ooh, Rear Window versus Requiem for a Dream. I'm going to go with Requiem for a Dream
2: on this one. Okay. Ben? I will also go Requiem for a Dream. Shera. Shera's like dying inside.
3: I <laughs> love these films, and I love a little R&R, you know, uh, but I got to go Requiem.
0: <laughs> I am going Requiem as well. Wow. So that is a 4-0 victory in the Elite Eight, which is not... Uh, Do you guys I, hear that?
1: I, I, to... I think that's Hitchcock
0: rolling over in his grave.
3: Oh. Hitchcock is very sad right now.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: well, he, he made it a lot farther than I thought he would. Uh, <laughs> he lost Jaws in my original bracket, but that's, you know... Uh, Jaws is long dead. Uh, moving on to the next bracket, we have... Come and see versus the seventh seal. Ben, you are first to vote. Mm,
2: this makes me sad. I don't want to. I don't want to make <laughs> this decision. I mean, it's going to be seventh seal, but fuck, man! Like, come and see. It came out of nowhere. It was hard to even give it a chance and watch it, but it was a solid recommendation and it was really good. Um, but yeah, I've got to stick to my guns on this one. Uh,
0: seventh seal, Uh, uh Yeah,
3: I. I, I liked seven seal. It it made the bogus journey make sense. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I have to go. 500 seven
0: days seal. of summer. Yeah.
3: And, <laughs> I, and I knew it was going to come down to these two, too, because, uh, you know, these, these are some babies. I knew it was going to come down with yours too. It's like, it's, I knew that my shit was going to go against your guys's tops. This, this was the weird bracket where all of our tops were in this one. So it's, it's rough. Um,
0: I'll just have you know that the coin flipped on tails uh, when it was <laughs> the uh, seven, or witch versus it follows vote, which means that if I had shenanigans, your shenanigans, it would be uh, bug versus seventh seal. So um, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a a a a fait accompli, but uh, I voting for come and see, I assume. As am I. I am come and see as well. Noah? That's surprising. Okay. Um, seven seal. Big time. All right. So we've got a 2-2 vote. That means we go to our first 10-minute free-for-all. 10 minutes starts now.
1: When I think of coming, So let me try to parse out my thinking here. Maybe you guys can jump in as a at, at that point. So like I when I think of come and see, I think the reason come and see is scary to me— <clears throat> I mean, it, so I, I said this in a previous podcast, wartime stuff— yeah, uh, even horror in, in the world of war doesn't, I don't know what it is for me, it doesn't scare me necessarily, but let's look at it this way, right? Like part of the fear in Come and See is kind of wh- besides the destruction of what humans do to one another, I mean, I think it's a large part of the movie. I think some of it is like the idea of just di- of dying in wartime and, and going through and seeing all this shit and having it not mean anything and being faced with the horrors of war and then dying. But when I think of that, I think... The reason the seven seal does it a little more for me is it takes that same fear of dying, whether it be wartime or anything else, and it makes you chew on it. And I think chewing on death is, is it just, it subjectively does more for me. I think that it, when I, when that if
3: explains I, why you're into cannibalism.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Chewing. Yeah. Well, just that's chewing on life. That's chewing. Yeah. Uh, or death. Depending on if you're into like necro stuff. Let's let's get off that time I'm about to throw up actually. I'm about to pull a gym here. Um so uh yeah, no, I but so that's I think for me, that's my thinking is like I feel like come and see Come and See is a, is an absolutely horrific movie. Um, but I feel like when I think why it's horrific, part of that, a large part of that, is Because you're faced with the stuff in the seven seal like the seven seal takes the concept of the thing in come and see and makes you play chess with it as it were and contemplate it and It's a different it's a different world
0: different build different aesthetic. I don't know But that's a metaphor and come and see is real life in real life We don't get a chance to play chess with death in real life um, It's entirely possible that we are just destroyed and and treated like trash and treated um with the most dehumanizing pot in, in the most dehumanizing possible way. And nothing looks at death as, you know, as full in the face as come and see does in well, its depictions of war.
2: I mean, like on well, the contrary. <clears throat> Can I, if I can go ahead and yeah, do, go say, let's make this point really quick. I think I think we do have a sort of situation in Come and See where somebody is quite literally playing chess with death. I mean, yes, Come and See is going to be the raw, more literal interpretation of our struggles um, in that regard. Um, but I think it, we see a tale of somebody who loses, just like uh, apparently everyone always does lose, except for Bill and Ted. But what that really means here is somebody... Kind of loses their way they're not able to come to terms so much as that they're so burdened with trauma and 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 pain that they are now willing to dole out death on others and i think that's really the core thing about come and see that i find interesting is not just that look at death and staring death in the face and the the crimes of war and the horrors of war it's that this situation can turn somebody into what we see of the main character toward the end of the film and i'm not sure i have a name for it but it's a child who is so laden with pain and trauma and the horrors that he has seen that he is now willing and ready to go take the life of these other people, right? Like, that's the story to me. And, and that, the thing I mean, is,
3: is these why? two films came mm. from the same kind of war, right? This is the same situation that that bred these ideas. These are the same uh, real life situations that created the stories. So for instance, with Seventh Seal, we have a person who kind of lived when this stuff was going on and and wrote about those situations that he dealt with and that experience with dying and with Come and See, it's based off of real life stories that were written down about living through these situations and what those people went through and what they saw. And And how it affected them and in a way there's an interesting aspect to these two films going against each other because you have one where they're able to discuss these issues and almost be free from death and this child and come and see is weighted down with having to have lived through it. That's why it's so crazy when he collapses when the gun is against his head and collapses onto the ground because he may have been freed had he died there. And he wasn't freed and he had to bear the burden of living through the trauma that's what makes that such a fucking impactful moment because Mm. he may have been better off dead and that is so terrifying
1: to go back to the distinction that you made jim about the reality of horror and war in come and see and sort of the contemplative component of seven seal i could not disagree more Um, William Butler Yeats once said that it takes more courage to examine the dark corners of your soul than it does for a soldier to fight on a battlefield. And I agree with that sentiment. I think that there is a sense in which if you've actually had a traversing of a religious apparatus where you've had to really either become religious or lose that religion, especially lose that religion, and be faced with the idea of death sans an apparatus to explain it away— it becomes one of the most unbelievably, ter- I mean, terrifying things a person can go through. I personally, I, I mean, look, I, I didn't get slashed in the face, shot. I didn't get thrown into a bunker. You know, I, I, I wasn't raped or, or, or butchered or any of that. And all of that is terrifying. And there are real things that happen in the real world. And I do not mean to diminish those things. Mm. Um, but I, I think that, you know, a trillion years from now, when we look back on, I mean, nobody's gonna look back in a trillion years, but you know, it, a long time in the future, when we think, well, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe this gets into some weird sci-fi shit. I'm going off on a on a tangent here, but basically, at some point in the future, when we look back, like, I feel like the the what we do with death collectively as a society is going to be so informative in how we. Exist in the future. I mean, you could probably say the same things for how we
0: approach war. Like exactly, the, yeah. I, I, and I and I get but the that reason oh. that we won't be but able. These to are both, both war movies. In a trillion years, is because we will have nuked ourselves by then. <laughs> but <laughs> but,
3: but yeah. we are. These are both war movies. This was a knight going to speak with death. This was still a young boy who has forced into a physical altercation with something that had nothing to do with him, which is what war essentially is. Yeah. Putting little kids up against things that they probably don't even fully comprehend. And that's what makes Seventh Seal interesting, is being able to contemplate what all these things are and getting existential about it. But come and yeah. see, he doesn't get that relief. He doesn't get that conversation. He doesn't get someone to explain away so he can happily dance into the like ends of the earth. He has to live with this trauma, and he will probably become a monster because of it. And that's that is horrifying.
2: That's an interesting point. And like, yeah, we don't see the end of his story, but I mean, I think... I want to go ahead and go in because it sounds like I've defended come and see honestly a little bit to this point But I, I do want to sort of explain why I, I really see the value in this movie But also tend to pick the seventh seal is that yeah, I completely agree with your point share that right this So so Seventh Seal* came out in 58 and I think Bergman obviously he was around for the rise of Hitler He saw all this happening. This is after the war um, He's sort of dealing with the answers as to why why something like this could happen we see and come and see in the throes he of that battle, too,
3: by the way. Okay. So. so he
2: even, he even fought in it. Yeah. So he has his experiences and the seventh seal is sort of a product of trying to find answers in the midst of that. So we really do kind of see the end, so to speak of, of one soldier's tale. Right. And so I think that's, that's com- incredibly interesting. Um, so to that point, I think it goes to a more fundamental question of, yes. So in the story, we actually see this being sort of the end of the crusade. And it Sort of tie it up in all these questions about God and how we sort of live after we find these answers or lack of answers And so I think even to that point yes It has the war element to it and it's influenced by real wars just like come and see is But it sort of it takes that and destroys kind of like our, our Existing structures of how we might answer questions about why something like that happens or how we get through something like that um, Because it sort of honestly takes a look at the fact that you know if something like the Holocaust is allowed to happen If something like this travesty is allowed to happen and young boys like we see in Come and See are allowed to go through this trauma and this horror, what does that really mean for our deeper existential questions about life and the universe and and how we understand it, right? So, I mean, it's like, again, it's very similar in theme. uh, And I see Jim disagrees with that and I can sort of cite specific scenes, but I think it really goes to something quite a bit deeper and more foundational. And I think that in general is why I like The Seventh Seal because it really – it hits something that underlies, I think – a lot of the questions and the traumas and the horrors that we see across almost every horror movie, right? It gets so deep. It gets to the roots of really the, the core of fear that it kind of supersedes, I think, a lot of that horror.
1: The seventh seal freezes the moment Michael Myers stabs you and makes you contemplate your finitude in light of everything that's led up to that moment. It's like the stabbing no longer becomes important. It's that nanosecond between life, that last breath, that between moment and death, where the thought of everything and your own finitude comes in, and it's spread out through the course of a two-hour movie, and you,
0: you play a game with death, you know. And *Come and See* makes the argument that you can slaughter mass and numbers of people who never get that moment. All right, uh, I'm assuming yeah. nobody... No,
3: that's literally nope. what it is. One all of them, right. they get to die. One of them, they don't. <laughs> <It's> like... So,
0: <laughs> any, uh, any changes?
3: World War II inspired some excellent films. Can we all ad- uh, agree to that?
0: <laughs> well, fair, <laughs> enough. C, fair enough. Fair enough. see It's higher seated. It is heads. Flipping now. It is heads. Come and see moves on. So I will be using my shenanigans, of course. I knew you would. Shenanigans flipping again. Seventh Seal Tails moves on. Oh. Ooh. Shayla, is that is you?
1: that your baby gone? Is your baby is that it? Is that all your yep. babies
3: now? Uh oh. no, that's not all my babies because I still have Requiem. So uh, there you fine. Go. And that is gonna have to go up against Seventh Seal, I guess. So <laughs> apparently yeah. Uh... shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Jim is considering his shenanigans. Don't do it. Don't you dare do it.
1: Don't even think about it.
0: Yeah, all right. No, I won't. All right. Seven Seal moves on. Oh,
1: God, this is getting way more intense than I
0: thought it would. Whew. All right. Uh, our next one is Alien versus Midsummer. Uh, Shayra, you have the verse vote.
3: I don't fucking know. Um, oh, I love these movies so much.
0: Uh. Okay, I just decided what I'm
3: <laughs> Oh, That was it. He just
1: had to hurt Shayra do her little I don't know, and then Jim was like, I got it. I know what I'm doing.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> her reaction helps. <laughs> um... <sighs> I'm going to go with Alien, because that is a movie that has always sat with me and always been there, and goddamn, that's such a fucking good movie. But god damn it, I love Midsummer. and oh, it hurts. It's painful to choose Alien over Midsummer. Like, that hurts.
0: I am choosing Alien as well. Noah? Oh, I don't have to be third. Fuck. Um, shit.
1: Uh man, this is this is the hardest one, I think, of all. Um I'm gonna say alien. Fuck, I'm gonna say alien. Ah. Ben?
0: That oh, i three to alien. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, if yeah. you choose Midsummer, then it's a uh three to one, yeah. Uh three votes for alien is three oh to you. But
1: remember, we can. We're going to talk about this for ten minutes, and in that time, I may switch. So
0: no, it, I mean we don't talk about it unless uh, he convinces somebody to switch their vote.
1: Okay, I'll choose Midsummer. <laughs>
2: well, mean, this he is votes like, this Alien. One, it's yeah, like I, I, kind of. I mean, it's it's honestly sort of like a toss up for me. It's it's another one of those things where it's like Alien is just great. I I can't say more about it than I've already said. Midsummer is also. Really, really, really good. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if it reaches that same bar though. I'm just not sure. Again, like with the last time, I find myself erring on the side of Alien. And so that's kind of what I want to go for. I just right. want to make sure that Midsummer gets its credit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's alien for me too. All so. right. So Alien moves on after a four-o margin. Um, goodbye, Midsummer. We loved you. And
3: Danny's uh, smiling
1: as we say goodbye. she got that smile on her face as we wave goodbye to Danny. Yeah, <laughs> Jim, that was the most horrifying smile I've ever seen in my life. I just want to point that out. That was great. So was, you guys need to replay Jim's smile. Go back a few seconds and look at Jim's
0: smile. I was uh, channeling Florence Pugh. All right. So we have Get Out versus the Vavitch. And I'm obviously going Get Out. Noah, Really? Obviously, huh? Hmm. (laughs) Well, I told (laughs) you that the witch doesn't work for me. Yeah, Yeah, I just, I I
1: just, I just refuse to believe it. Like I've told myself, everyone, like Jim is wrong and he is not thinking correctly. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the witch on this one.
2: Okay, Ben. Really got to think hard about this, man. Yeah, Jordan Peele. I mean, for his first two films, like Get Out being the first one damn he really killed it it's good but if i'm just gonna let my my own personal honest opinions seep into this i i, I have i guess i still have to go with the witch yeah Shera.
3: 10 minutes <laughs> 10 minutes for all Get out the system of it. this is the bitch 10 minutes Oh All right. gosh. Racism versus sexism. Let's go. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I mean, Get Out is, <laughs> like, it is comedy. It is horror. It is social themes. It aims higher. It is everything that the, you know, I, Does I. It aim higher? I don't know. Last week, I was trying to argue annihilation versus the vich, and I was like, "Oh, I need to hit. I need to punch the vich somehow. Like, I need to figure out a way to do that." And I only had like one minute. The best thing that I could come up with is. Uh, if she doesn't uh, uh you know if she watches the baby closely then the movie doesn't happen and that was because I don't remember the bitch almost at all it is the, an eminently forgettable movie it was a, I watched it with Garrett oh my god Jim I could strangle you I, I you remember I watched it with Garrett and after the, after the naked girls started floating and dancing I looked at him and said what the fuck was that let did me I, let me ask you this no. Jim
2: I mean uh, like I, I feel like in, in terms of in terms of tactics, I think what we see that is, is sort of, like, more productive and more interesting in terms of pushing films along is, is sort of recognizing the positives and sort of, like, then sort of sussing out how they actually compare. Are there any strong positives that you see in The Witch?
0: No. Um. I mean, I think its authenticity is positive. I like I, – I mean, it's clearly a well-researched and well-put-together film. It's a film that was – Obviously, it it had some care to it, but I think that at the end of the day, I didn't I didn't connect with any of the characters. I didn't. um, I thought that the film was more of an exercise in showing one's work rather than it was a fully fleshed out character based movie, which I think obviously Get Out is. Um, I think Get Out has it over The Vavich in almost every way. So that's that. For me, it's just the authenticity of the filmmaking that I was able to go. Okay, well, that was good. Okay. And there's there's a moment as well I when like he's... Witch, well, I like the
3: witch though. I like the witch though. Okay. And I I will say this: it is a fantastic film in that it it showed a period of time, it showed the costumes, it showed the language. They really thought this through, and and. When it comes to all the characters, they were very fascinating characters. You loved and hated them for varying reasons, which shows that they have layers. These are three-dimensional human beings that you can look at. There's fantastic storytelling going on here, um, but I just want to—I want to throw this out there. Get Out is a changing of a genre film. You are right. getting comedy put into a uh, horror. And when you have that run rabbit, run rabbit, it's like, why is that scaring the shit out of me? Oh, yeah, it's because of a racist happy tune playing while this white guy is going after and preying on black people. That's fucking horrifying. You have characters that you trust somewhat because they sound like what people you should trust sound like, but there's something off. You always know there's something off. That building of tension with characters being a little off, getting to that uncanny valley, that is something that really builds to a point. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I had every reason to feel very afraid. Look, she's listening to I had the time of my life while eating Fruit Loops, dipping them into milk. What <laughs> the fuck, bitch? Like, this is some scary ass shit, right? So, mean. Um, mm-hmm. There was tons of metaphors. There's so much metaphor in there that you're just like, you could talk about it forever. Whereas with The Witch, yes, there are so many different things that that have to do with religion and our past and and the history of what women have been treated like. But with Mm -hmm. Get Out, it's very now. It is very now and very important. And I think it was one of those films that needed to be made.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that too. Like, that's that's absolutely the case. It really did have like this this cultural relevance and impact that really needs to be recognized, absolutely. And it deserved its accolades and awards. Honestly, it really did. Um, I I think what's interesting about that to me, though, is that it not only shows kind of like this the sort of tension, obviously, on the racial level, but it's a different sort of side of it, right? That we don't often consider, I think. And so there's conversations about about this idea of reverse racism and how that doesn't necessarily exist. But honestly, like back when I was in university and sort of studying this topic, we had this idea that there was this possibility of an over glorification of a race in compensation for other people sort of discounting them too much. And so that's what I see here. Like, obviously, we have this guy and I'm not sure. I don't think it's really supposed to be taken tonning. It's tongue in cheek because they're taking these people's bodies Specifically because they see them as physically superior, right? So it's like, yes, it's racist, it's sort of this race based discrimination. And there's definitely a power element or right? like, obviously there's the, the rich people who are sort of preying on somebody who is just sort of seeking their opportunities in the world. But we, it's, it's, it's sort of flipped in the way that they're preying on this person because they see them as superior in a way and sort of over glorify their physical prowess. That's a crazy, I mean, like it's, it's interesting to see that story being told. And I think it only works because it's a man who sits like he, he sees both sides of that divide very clearly because he. Right. Like because of his parents. I mean, he think he has he he has this incredibly unique view to be able to see these issues and talk about these issues. And that's incredibly valuable. It's invaluable. Again, though, I think like why I might vote for the witch over this is because, you know, when we have, of course, the sexism issue, but also I think it's also an underdog tale and it's, it's harder to sort of parse this out. But really, when you think about not only the sexism element and the sort of like the patriarchal components of this, but also thinking about unbelievers and how we're sort of struggling against this sort of soft oppression of the religious majority. And I don't think I'm really going to get very far in this argument necessarily, because, again, like the the sort of speaking to this type of power, it's really hard and really sort of nebulous. Most people still have some sort of religious view in the country or in the world. Especially, you know, given in the world, I think we're a little more secular in the United States than other places, um, that, and I think no, that kind of thing. Well, un- unfortunately, unfortunately, that's factual. we're not necessarily the most secular. I'm, I'm talking about like the entire world, not necessarily like Europe or like Northwestern Europe particularly or, you know, any particular place. Just overall, I think there's still this overwhelming sort of agreement that there is something beyond that we can't see that is sort of supernatural or God-oriented, right? So, I mean, it's like it's a really hard argument to make and be convincing because most people are going to be on the other side of that argument. And so whenever I think of the importance of these two films, it's like where do we see – I don't know. It's like it's really a battle between – Two different sort of underdog stories and like how well those are being told and communicated. The cultural relevance so in the United States of Get Out is like way up here, but I think there's global relevance for the witch.
3: With with get out though, it's showing that when liberals try to be so woke, these white ass liberals try to be so woke, they're actually the yeah. monster. That I, I would have I would have yeah.
1: I, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. I don't know. Well, I, I would have
0: voted for Get Out three times and I did. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But like seriously, that's horrifying. The idea that the people that are supposed to be your allies, they're supposed to be your advocates. And this is the thing. like Everybody's telling you, hey, I'm on your side. No, you aren't. You're trying to use me. You still see this as I'm a commodity. That is actually what's happening. They are using black people as commodities still, even though they act as if they're not. That's the most horrifying aspect of Get Out. Whereas with the witch yeah people treat women like shit and like they are lower but that that's always been the case there's not really anyone you can trust except for black philip sure because he's telling you to live your life to the fullest and most women are figuring that out now that's what makes the witch such a a prophetic like film because women are starting to wake the fuck up and going no i I'm not going to let you try to guilt me into having a child when I don't want one. We're not going to – I'm not going to let you guilt me into I have to hang out with my family who's toxic as hell. I'm not going to let you guilt me into being this thing I'm not. I'm not going to let you blame me for the ills of the world when you're the one who's actually the cause of it because you're the one who threw a fit to the society in the first place, dad. Like it's (laughs) women standing up to that shit. That is such an amazing thing. But get out, right? Right? we are the problem white liberals hello all of us we are the scary monsters in that film and it needed to be said it mm. needed to be said well
1: i think i think what both of these films do well is they put you in the headspace of someone who has a hierarchy to climb that have that they they're they're to some extent i don't want to say disenfranchised but they put you in the headspace of someone that you in film maybe typically don't necessarily see the perspective of. And I think they do it in very different ways, with very different points. Um, and I think one is is obviously overtly religious. The other is obviously overtly political. Um, but I, I think both of those do that well. They get you in the headspace of people who have this hill to climb, as it were, um, and whose, whose, uh, whose expectations get dashed, and they you know, ha- so I, I think in that sense both of them share that sort of that short that sort of thing. I think what does I think what the witch does for me a little more than get out is it gives me it's it's purely subjective, but it gives me the religious stuff. And the religious stuff is the sort of thing that is going to be that it, it's in the world where I get either really scared or I find the movie incredibly boring and it didn't do anything for me. And it just happens to be in the case. And in the witch, it's a slow burn that scared me to death. So I I I get it. Like both of these both of these are amazing movies. Um, and it's going to come down to a real subjective ethic, I think, I mean, because if we, yeah, if we with go mine, to, yeah, with
3: mine, it was just that I got introspective and I thought about the things I say and the things I do. And when, when we talked about stone in the shoe, like that is an important <laughs> gauge, but this actually made me try to adjust who I am as a person. And I think uh-huh. that's why it was a little bit more of a big deal to me because that's, that's it made me think I call. need to be a better person.
2: That's, that's a really great point. That's, yeah. that's Yeah. So yeah interesting. That's interesting. All
0: right. Any vote
2: changes? You know what? Fuck it. I'm. I w- I will agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead, and yeah. I'm gonna bite the bullet on this and change my vote on my film. <laughs> say that I'm going to give it to Get Out. Yeah, and I'll
0: st- it. Yeah, I'll stick with the Witch. But I get it. I get it. I could go either way. I get it. And that wins it. That makes our final four. Requiem for a Dream, The Seventh Seal, Alien, and Get Out. And this concludes this Halloween episode of the Deadly Analysis Podcast. We will be uploading on Sunday... With the final four and the championship round, tune in then to see who wins it. Tweet us your brackets. Let us know what you think uh, should should take the champion of these of these four fine films. And uh, let us know uh, let us know in the comments below what you what you thought. Um, be sure to like, share, and subscribe this video, and hit us up on social media. Thank you again for watching this epi- this Halloween episode of the Deadly Analysis podcast. See you Sunday.